Weekly Harvest, an in-depth look at the Brandon Weekings and the WHL. Washman trying to come up with it for Allison. Here's Allison right in front. He scores! Welcome once again, episode 35 of the Weekly Harvest Podcast. My name is Chris Falco, Director of Game Day Operations, Community Relations with the Brandon Wheat Kings. He's Brandon Crow, the voice of the Wheat Kings. Weekly Harvest Podcast brought to you by Coors Light, the official beer of the Brandon Wheat Kings. Please drink responsibly. Crow, happy holidays. How was your Christmas? You know, it, it's always at that time of year where everybody gets all stressed out about having to drive from one family event to another and time frames and making sure you get to see every every family member and every in-law and everything else. This year, none of that. It was kind of uh, it was kind of nice. Just sat back, uh, my wife and I started watching Modern Family from the start and we've crushed like four seasons in 5 days. So, I mean, it's been great. Uh, you know, a little bit of a uh, little bit of time to just sit and relax and enjoy the snowfall. It's been good. Uh, and uh, unlike a lot of Christmases in the past where it never seems to stop, it's been uh, pretty good to just kind of relax and hit the reset button. I know for you, we talked about it a little bit uh, last show. You've got a couple of boys. And for that sense, Christmas changes when you got kids, doesn't it? You know, it really turns into be all about them. Like that's a very parent thing to say, but it really is true. Like you really just want them to have a great Christmas. Very weird this year with, yeah, not having the family get togethers. Uh, But honestly, it went pretty much as well as could have been expected. So we had a great Christmas. It was also very relaxing. Uh, Unlike us, we did not get to go fishing. Uh, we just have not been ice fishing in like two weeks now. So uh, it's it, it's a long stretch for the, for, for the old uh, Follicle boys, but we're going to get back out there right away uh, and uh, and have some more fun. But uh, overall, the holidays just kind of uh, glad that they're over because even though there wasn't, the, you know, you're right, all the, all the hustle and bustle of the r- rushing around, when you have kids and you're still worried about, you know, how it's going to go and the presents and the wrapping, it's still a bit of a marathon at the end. So kind of glad all that's over. Yeah, and it's one of those things where everybody's, and I know we we talked about this last show. January, you know, New Year's Eve's gonna New Year's Eve's gonna show up, and everyone's so excited to get 2020 over with. But it's not like hot tub time machine where you know we're gonna just close our eyes and then all of a sudden everything's gonna be different because January first, you know, a lot of things are still gonna be the same. But it is kind of a a good time to hit the reset button, and you know, it's been quite the year. I mean. I was talking to Dustin Forbes last night, who uh, is the radio voice of the Lethbridge Hurricanes um, and a great friend of mine. And, you know, we got talking that it, let's say the Western Hockey League doesn't start and, and they just say, you know what, we're going to we're going to hit the reset button and start in September uh, or August or whatever the case may be. It'll be almost 18 months between games like that's that's hard to fathom. How, how much time has already surpassed since the last time we had hockey. I mean, even watching the world juniors a little bit, like you hear the odd name, like of course, Lucas Parikh, the goaltender for the Czech team um, that beat Russia the other night. I mean, that's a name that I hadn't heard in forever, even though Brandon had played Spokane and he played in that game. So, I mean, you just, you kind of forget right? it's been so long. So, I mean, I, it's hard to fathom that, you know, 2020 is coming to an end, but it it really is nice that, you know, the vaccine's rolling out a little bit. There has been a little more positive news and we can start maybe looking forward a little bit. So I know it's not going to change overnight, but I, I'm, I'm optimistic that, you know, we can get back playing hockey sooner or later and it'll just kind of slowly ease its way back into normal. If we can have anything about hot tub time machine come true, then that would make it a better year than what we yeah. just had. So I'm going to be like Lou and go back and recreate and start the band Motley Crue. And I'll just call it Motley Crow. And then no one will know. <laughs> Nobody would possibly I'll know million, until you start singing. Until I you start like singing. I kind of like Neil when I let my hair go and, you know, he's kind of let himself go. He's when you let yourself go. <laughs> yeah. He's got to get some more turkey. I... <laughs> AI for people who want to send in again questions or comments always welcome you can do so at qweeklyharvest at gmail.com that's qweeklyharvest at gmail.com uh, coming up this week our guest crow we got uh, Peter Labardius who sat down and talked to us uh, for a little while now this was recorded 
Uh, we're recording this on Monday. People will hear this on Tuesday. So, uh, but all the info, if you hear it on Tuesday, is still going to be fairly relevant because a lot of what we talk about, of course, is Team Canada, uh, World Juniors. On the day we're recording this is an off day. So, uh, you know, the boys starting off 2-0. and uh, We had a great talk with Pete, though, not just about that, but about, you know, his history in the WHL and uh, a lot of stuff that I just didn't know about. Yeah, and uh, you know he's one of I, you'll hear it in the in the actual interview, but he's one of those voices that I think a lot of people our age, you know, you don't necessarily maybe put the name to the voice, but you know if you were a fan of at all hockey and and watched Sportsnet and watched Oiler games and Flames games and uh, regional games on Sportsnet and Memorial Cups and and any of the WHL uh, games that were on Sportsnet over the last handful of years, you'll recognize his voice. I mean, he's. He's got a very unique voice. I think you used the word iconic yesterday, and he's had some amazing uh, NHL calls that have just will live on in infamy uh, on the internet. Uh, but uh, he's he's had a really uh, tight connection with the Western Hockey League, and I think a lot of people forget that. A lot of these guys that are in the NHL as broadcasters started in the Western Hockey League, or you know whether it be Junior A in the MJHL or SJHL calling games on local small-town radio, and he's no different starting in Estevan. Uh, in the SJHL before making his way up to the Pats and then uh, on obviously to the National Hockey League where now he's the color commentator for the Calgary Flames on uh, on their radio home. So uh, he's got a lot of cool stories about uh, watching games in Brandon at, at the Keystone Center. He, I don't think at any point he got the name of the arena correct. Did he? It was Keystone. It was Westman Arena. It was West Toba Arena. It's changed so many he times. But. but to be fair, he got a lot of it correct. There's also one other thing. I didn't want to stop him because he was on a flow. But uh, you know what? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to leave it. I'm not going to correct him before the interview. We're going to let the interview air and then post. <laughs> I think I know where you're going with this. <laughs> I'm going to tell you about the one. Yes, because I, I, as soon as he said it, I was like, he got a little mixed up. But I knew what he meant. So uh, Pete Labardius, our special guest on the Weekly Harvest this week. Big thanks uh, to Peter Labardius for joining us uh, on the holiday stretch, I suppose, albeit it's a bit of a different holiday stretch than most broadcasters, uh, whether it be TV, radio, Western League, NHL are used to. And uh, Pete, I know it's been a strange holiday season, strange year altogether, but uh, thanks so much for, for jumping on here and taking time out of your holiday schedule to, to chat with us about the Western Hockey League and anything else we can come up with. No, my pleasure, guys. I always love talking hockey and needless to say, uh, have a lot of memories um, from the fine city of Brandon. And matter of fact, um, it's where I called my first ever Western Hockey League road game at the then the Keystone Center. So lots and lots of great Brandon memories going back a long, long time. So delighted to be with you. When, when was that first game, Pete? Who was that with? Uh, I was with CKCK Radio. My first year as the voice of the Pats was the 1989-90 season. So we opened that year against the Prince Albert Raiders and then uh, made our way three hours and 45 miles or minutes down the highway to Brandon and pulled in with the cows at the bottom of the steps and away we went. So you you really got the full Brandon experience on your first trip. That's, That's awesome to hear. Chris, I've had a lot of great Brandon experiences, and I mean that from, from the bottom of my heart. It's a, it's a very fond, fun place for me. Well, you know, it, start, it started way back then, uh, Pete. Uh, sorry, Cody, to interrupt right there, but Pete, you know, it started way back then, and of course, uh, we King fans, they will recognize your voice uh, still to this day, all the time associated with the We King brand of hockey, because you were the, the voice of the championship uh, finals uh, on Shaw the year that, uh, that the We Kings won. Even in the intro of this podcast, that call is is there and it does not change you know it, it's one of our it's one of our favorite calls so uh you know even though you were never the voice of the Wheat kings in a roundabout way you you kind of were <laughs> well um you know I, I could i could spend a lot of time on that series guys for me i've loved the western hockey league since i was a little kid uh, i say to a lot of people the western hockey league isn't a league for me it's like family it really is growing up in saskatoon and um, in the greatest ironic twist, the team that I couldn't stand the most growing up, the Regina Pats, was the team that I became the first Western Hockey League voice of back in 1989-90. Um, but that particular year, um, 
I got really ill in March of 2016 and I missed the last nine games. My, my liver um, registered some very scary and terrifying levels. And I have no trouble telling you the chance to call the 50th ever Western hockey league championship series is one of my all time highlights. But at a time where looking back, I'm not even sure I was truly healthy enough to be able to do that series. From the minute I got to Brandon, it was the greatest thing for my health that I could have ever done. It was like it, you know, I was on the couch, um, you know, my skin looked like your hat, Chris. Um, I turned all yellow. And that series for me has such special memories just because um, the ability to A, do it, and the fact that it was the 50th history, 50th anniversary was one of the, was one of my true career highlights. Now, Peter, you and I uh, actually have more in common than you might know. I mean, I know you, you follow me on Twitter and we've I, kind of yes. crossed paths a few times, but you started mm-hmm. in the SJHL, similar to what I did. You started in Estevan. Uh, I started yeah. in, in Melfort and Humboldt. Uh, yeah. Another thing, too, I actually lived with another guy, Gino DePauli, a guy who you've done some work with on the baseball tour out in Alberta. But nonetheless, uh, let's go back to the start. You know, you grew up in Saskatoon and, you know, you were a hockey fan obviously, but what, what made you decide, Hey, you know what, I'm going to get into broadcasting. And, and how did you get to Esteban? Like, what was that whole process for you back at the start? Well, Brandon, I, I share this a lot. I knew at a really young age that I wanted to be a sports broadcaster. I knew at about 13 or 14 after a pretty good beginning to a hockey career that about my last year of Bantam, no, I was really good up through Pee Wee, but that dream came to an end, but I, I knew really young to be frank probably seven years old that I always wanted to be a broadcaster. I wanted my life to be involved in my number one passion and that was sports. So um, it was my entire focus. I knew I wanted to do it. I was a absolute sports fanatic. I have been since I was yay high. So after I graduated high school, I had an opportunity back then. It was a one semester course at the Western Academy of Broadcasting in Saskatoon, my hometown. I, I've only really had one real job. I was a stock boy at the Army and Navy for a summer to pay to be able to do that, to go to that course in January. And about a month after that in July or a couple months, I had a good friend by the name of Ray Morrison, who I grew up with across the back lane. He was the He went to Estevan. I became, at 18, a guy who knew nothing about news, the news director at CJSL Radio. That was my first job. And a year in, almost ended my career. Um, But fortunately, Ray left Estevan to go to CKOM in Saskatoon, and I became the sports director and voice of the Estevan Bruins for the start of the 85-86 season. And... Lo and behold, here I am talking to you guys 36 years later. That began in the summer of 1984. So I guess I'm in year 37 of this crazy racket. Now, interestingly enough, Ray's son, Matt, worked at CKLQ and started. So we've all got a bit of it's weird in the radio world. Everybody's connected. Uh, I got to say, Gino DePauli, when you said that name, or I, I, I thought I, I follow him on Twitter, and I don't know why. Was he now at the Okotoks Oilers, or was he up in Grand Prairie Storm? Someone in the AJ? No, he's, he's the voice of the Okotoks Oilers. Okotoks. Okay, yes. When I, I was with yes. the Grizzlies, I'd be following him there. And uh, all right, I'm also a WABC grad, Pete. So I want to, you know, for Don Scott, if he's listening, I want to hear your WABC call. My do- I can't. I don't even know if I remember, remember? My WABC call. W A B C B C. We need our inflections to start up inflections here and go and they down rise there. and fall for dogs. Rise, and, rise fall. and fall. So yeah. yes, for all the WC grads, uh, you're actually, and I, I should remember that because Don, he actually, he has like you, uh, Drager. He's got a few other guys on the Lord. poster. That yeah, Millard. That like that's when I signed up to go, and it's still that same poster <laughs> floating around, like on the Facebook group. I love Don. He still does a great job, like job updating where all the grads are. But uh, but man, was, Bad was Dino, his that brother, was his brother Bill so there goodness. when you went? 
Uh, no, I was in the days. No, I was in the days. There was Big Barry and Little Barry. So okay. we had Barry Davis and. Uh, I'm on the Barry. spot. I can't remember, but yeah, it was Big Big Barry and and and, and little Barry. Unfortunately, uh, they've uh, uh, they both passed. But uh, uh, amazing time there, and that's cool. You talk about people in the radio industry across across Canada. Uh, you know that school just kind of pumps out grads. But uh, yeah, lots of lots of different small town uh, uh, connections there. Um, on that 2016 team, Pete, I want to say. Or ask you, uh, even though if you weren't in, in, in the best of health, you know, it was special to, to call it, it was also a special team on both sides of the ice. That Seattle Thunderbird team, uh, you know, had guys like Matt Barzell. They're now tearing it up in the NHL. Uh, but on the other side, on our side, the Wheat Kings, we had some special players as well. Is there one or two that really stick out in your mind from that run that uh, you're seeing now? You know, I mean, needless to say, it, it's hard not to think about, you know, Ivan Provorov, Hard not to think about um, John Quenville. Hard not to think about the incredible playoff by both Nolan Patrick at 17 years of age in his draft year, Jace Howerluck, who was just absolutely sensational. And there's always one guy that I think never got the credit that he deserved, and that was 20-year-old Tim McGauley. You know, to me, he was the real glue guy of that team, maybe a little under the radar, but had an incredible playoff. You know, you could use him in all situations. Um, I, I loved watching him play. And, you know, I mean, it was, a, it was a terrific team to watch. You know, the young guys as well played a big role. And, um, you know, on defense, along with Provorov, you know, McCoy Urkamps was absolutely right-handed shot, 20-year-old defenseman. He was massive. He Tough was as absolutely nails. massive. Oh, was he ever? And so, you know, that was that was a terrific team. Heck of a series. You know, I Sportsnet actually called the first game. So I went in and I watched it. I flew in. And then we picked up the series from game two on. And, you know, they, the Wheat Kings win game two in overtime. It was it, it was terrific. It was it was a terrific display. The crowd in Kent, Washington was unbelievable. And I will say this, two loudest times I had ever heard the Westman Center was in that series. And then obviously the semifinal of the 2010 Memorial Cup, the semifinal game between Brandon and Calgary, which was clearly, again, another lucky moment for me to be able to call that building that night. I'll never forget forget Shane Weeb scoring that goal in overtime. What a what a great series that was uh, between Brandon and Seattle. And you mentioned, you know, your time in the Western League goes back to, you know, the late 80s, early 90s. So you'd been around and probably interviewing Kelly McCrimmon for a long time for coaches' time. shows or pregame shows. So to see him, uh, you know, go through that again, I know he, you know, won in the mid-90s, but then to win again uh, and kind of cap off his Western Hockey League career before making the jump to the NHL, uh, for a guy that had been there and seen his teams, that had to be kind of a, a cool moment as well for you. You know what? It really was. Um, you know, and, and I remember Kelly as a player going back to being a part of one of the greatest, if not the greatest Western League team I've ever seen. And that I'm not just saying that because I'm in the market. The 78-79 Brandon Wheat Kings to this day is one of the greatest teams I've ever seen. 58-5-9 that group was only to lose to Bob Atwell in Peterborough in Verdun, Quebec in the final of the Memorial cup that year, you know, Kelly was on that team, got to know Kelly in his early days, late eighties, early nineties. And in fact, um, you know, my respect for Kelly, the McCrimmon family, I mean, he's truly been one of the foundation pieces of the league for a long time. And in the early going guys, because in the 1991-92 season, I remember, because Brandon in the last game of the year, they knocked the Pats out of the playoffs that year. <laughs> We've heard that a few times. <laughs> Jeff Hode had a huge goal. The Wheat Kings only won like eight games all season long. So, you know, it, it didn't necessarily start the way we all know 
Brandon as being, you know, the creme, one of the creme de la cremes and all they've done. And Kelly and, and I think one of the great player evaluators of all time and Al McPherson, who was such a key guy to build all those great teams. Um, so, yeah, I just my respect for Kelly McCrimmon and that family and that franchise is is immense, is immense. You've got a, an opportunity now uh, sitting back. I know, you know, normally you'd be in Calgary and, and traveling around with the Flames, doing some radio work for them on, on the analyst side of things and working with those guys. And that would probably keep you relatively busy this time of year. Well, now you're just like the rest of us and you're, you're posted up in your lazy boy recliner watching hockey and that being the World Juniors. Now, that's a couple of days underway now. We're recording this on Sunday. Um, this is obviously when you're listening to this will be Tuesday or later on. But now Canada's played a couple of games and they couldn't have been more opposite of games. They absolutely thrashed Germany and then realistically couldn't put a whole lot of offense together against the Slovakian team. So what have you seen so far, uh, you know, in the two completely opposite heads, tails types of games so far for Team Canada? Well, Brandon, I'm going to go back one game. And, you know, I was fascinated by their pre-tournament game against the Russians, who I truly think – you know, are right there almost neck and neck with with Canada. And that was an unbelievable hockey game, one to nothing. You know, that was a real heavyweight battle. So you go into the game against Germany, and, you know, for those people who know me pretty well, not missed a lot of World Junior games dating back to about 1977-78. That, and, and again, I feel just awful for the Germans, who I thought were a great story in last year's tournament, all those young talent, Moritz Sider, who could have come back this year, the first-round pick of Detroit. You know, they get sick. They come over, playing with 14 skaters, second of a back-to-back. You know, they were in incredibly tough. But, you know, even in that game, and you guys might laugh, the goaltending performance by the Germans was just – it was no good. No. We only had 44 shots in that game. 44. So – You know, through the first two games for Canada, you know, tremendous hype. 20 first-round picks when it all started before poor Kirby Doc, the outstanding Saskatoon Blade, now Chicago Blackhawk, breaks his wrists on that, you know, harmless-looking play. But I think this team will really benefit from the game against Slovakia because I truly believe it'll be a bit of a wake-up call. Let's face it. A, they haven't played a lot of hockey. You guys know we're all dying to call some games. They're dying to play some games. So that has an effect. But, you know, the other part is all we've been hearing is like comparisons to 2005, how deep it is. And then your first game, it's like easy. It's too easy. So I think there's a bit of an autocorrect that's going to go on. You know, we're really not going to know about this group. Probably we'll get a good look against Finland, which will be a competitive game. But, you know, I don't see any way this team doesn't get to the semis. But when they do, and the thing that I love about this tournament now more than ever is as much as people, and I get it, they want to focus on those big early Canadian wins. Guys, the last 10 years of this tournament, when it gets to the final four and sometimes the final six, has produced some of the greatest junior hockey I've ever seen. And I don't think this year, when you get to that final four, it'll be any different. Those, you know, if you go Canada, Russia, the Swedes and the United States, who I expect to be there, you never know about the Finns. They did it against the Americans last year with that one nothing win in the quarters. Um, this tournament, from a competitive standpoint, can be ugly early. I'd admit that. But when it gets good, it's as good as it gets. And I don't think this version will be any different. I really don't. I know that the World Juniors traditionally, if you look at you know the gold medal winners, of course it's Canada, Russia, but it's always fun when you have all the uh, you know the 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 outside countries who are developing over the years, especially you know in like you were you know saying Pete in the seventies, eighties, you really wouldn't have anybody except for Canada, Russia, but then you start getting a couple you know Czech Republics, Finland, Sweden, they go on their run. All of a sudden, this two team tournament that people said for years is this five six team tournament. Yes kind of this year you're right with a lot of the first round picks even myself last week in the podcast was you know kind of saying like can this team even be touched because of how hyped they are 
But then you get in this tournament and you realize that a lot of these guys, they're just, they're, they're that close. Like it's not this massive gap anymore. They're, they really are pulling a whole lot tighter. Well, they are. And, you know, again, really unfortunate, but when Canada lost Kirby Doc, I truly think they may have lost the best player in the entire event. I don't want to take anything away from Zgrass and some of the other great players, Broberg in this tournament, but you know, we saw what he did in the bubble. And and when you help and play a massive role in beating Connor McDavid, Leon Dreisaitl, and the rest of the Edmonton Oilers, and he had his hands all over that, that he, this guy's a special player. He really is. So, you know, you, you take him out, and I think that's been part of it. Ever since, they've had some trouble finding some chemistry. It, yeah. That didn't seem to be the case either in the camp Certainly wasn't the case, I thought, against the Russians, even though they only scored once. It looks like they've had trouble kind of finding the right fit. And as you guys know, being around the game yourselves now a long time, um, I say this a lot, just because you have the most talented guys doesn't mean you're necessarily going to find that perfect chemistry and the perfect fit. There's no question. Top to bottom, this might be as talented a Canadian roster as I can ever remember, ever but it's how you play and how it fits. And for Andre Tournier going into their third game, the great thing is for him and Mitch Love and that staff, it's time to get to work because great talent without great work, you can get beat. What did you, you think know, of the Braden oh. Schneider hit? Uh, I know I know it's international hockey and everything, but I've seen Braden Schneider throw five or six of those a night against the Regina Pats of the Prince Albert <laughs> oh, Raiders. He doesn't, like, he doesn't like to hit people, does he? Guys, you never see <laughs> I like wonder, that was your first big one, right? Yeah, I wonder if it was because Adam Blosky, the referee, has seen him do that so many times over the last two years. He was like, nope, I've seen enough. Time to go home. But what did you think of the hit? Well, well, different standard, right, guys? Like, that's the thing about the international game. There's no gray. So if you hit somebody above the shoulders and make contact with the head, whether it's a hockey play, which I think, you know, that's obviously what Braden's intention was. And, you know, the poor the poor member of Team Germany, um, well, he wasn't ready for it. He wasn't watching. You know, he got put in the trolley tracks and against the Prince Albert product. It's not a good place to be those trolley tracks, as you guys know even way better than I do. Um, but starting watching him in the Western League Cup at 15 didn't take you very long to know that that guy is going to compete and he's going to smack your tail every chance he gets an opportunity. So, you know, feel bad for him, but there's no gray. There's, like, that's, that's the rule. You know, we were just talking about uh, super talented guys to switch gears a little bit. I want to talk about someone that you know that uh, absolutely uh, has me roaring. Whenever, uh, whenever I see your name uh, I, on, on Twitter, I always got to just type in the old search bar and go find Ryan Leslie's impersonation of you. Uh, if, if, if anybody has, has missed it, I encourage you to do the same. Type in uh, Labardius Ryan Leslie. Is there a man that does a better impersonation, Pete? Because your voice is iconic, and uh, I can't even try to, try to intimidate it because I think he nails it. He, I, I say this to a lot of people, Chris. He does me better than me. <laughs> it's uncanny. It is so uh, good. It's Listen, if we he, ever need to like master. fill in like like a voiceover dub over like Disney style, if somebody needs to have a it's, Pete Labardius to do a call, you call Ryan Leslie to to to, to be to be a knockoff, I guess. Have you, have you heard the Twelve Days of Lou Christmas by Ryan Leslie? I have I'm not. like a kid on Christmas <laughs> right now, now finding out about this. No, if you can search that and find that. I don't know why. I don't know why I'm giving why more people an opportunity to have a little fun at my expense. Nobody <laughs> enjoys it more than him. Nobody's any <laughs> better at it than him. The only problem is, when do I get to cash in? Like I get to sit back every day at practice because trust me, and I love him to pieces. He's my landlord, and during the hockey season, I live in his mom's basement. And so we're really good friends and I pay him rent because I live in the off season with my wife and stepdaughter in Mississauga, Ontario, um, where I'm doing this interview from tonight. But yeah, he's, he's good at it and he enjoys it. 
and he gets a <laughs> lot of mileage out of it, my good buddy. <laughs> good, good. Well, it always has me chuckling. Even before this pod, yeah. that was we were talking about our about, about our about our favorite clips, and uh, and of course, you know, like we're talking about favorite clips involving you, but that one in a roundabout way also kind of made the list. Uh, I know that uh, uh, the one that Crow just tweeted was one that he really wanted to bring up because he's been talking oh, about this ever since we first reached out for you to become a guest on the pod. I have not had, I mean, I, I've been, I'm, I'm similar to you, Pete, where I, I kind of knew I was going to get into broadcasting by the time I hit a boat bantam and realized that I was not going to play anywhere and realized that my only hope of ever getting anywhere was to switch gears and try and find another way. And, um, you know, growing up in, in Western Canada, you know, I had all the sports nets and, you know, I had my favorite guys, but you know, when you started doing, you know, regional games and, and different things like that, Memorial cup, I just loved your voice. And the call of Patrick Steffen's missed open net, followed by the Oilers coming back to score, is my all-time favorite hockey call TV radio in the history of hockey. In my mind, it's one of the absolute best between the play on the ice and the way you described it. How many times have people asked you about that since it happened? Um, a lot. <laughs> a lot. Um, I don't, I've done quite a few podcasts. Uh, during the pandemic, and I'm not sure I've had one yet where I haven't had to address it, but Brandon, in all sincerity, thank you. Um, I feel so lucky and so fortunate, and, you know, needless to say, I've watched it once or twice or a hundred times. It comes up a lot. I am still fascinated. Like, when people ask me about the play and the call and Ray's call and and the whole thing, um, Ray's so good on it, too. Yeah, Ray's unbelievable. Um, And they played together in Atlanta. So you take that, you take that where you want. I'll just, I'm not going to speak for anybody else, but you just take that where you want to. Um, But what I don't know if guys ever gets the credit on that play is when you think about, needless to say, the focal point is the miss of the empty net. But when you consider that Stefan falls down, and if he, if that puck doesn't get dragged out in the corner to Jarrett Stoll, like if it just goes underneath him, like it's nothing. But in eight seconds late in the game, in a one-goal game, to get to Jarrett Stoll, 140 feet up the ice to Ryan Smith, chips it over the defender's stick to an on-rushing Alish Hemsky. And, and the only thing I can honestly tell you is – Everything inside me when that puck, and I didn't know really if there was enough time left or not, when it hit Hemsky's stick, I truly, everything in my gut said, oh my God, he's like, he's going to tie the game. And he tied the game. And the other thing that never ceases to amaze me when I listen is this was a game in early January. That place went off like like a bomb. Like, listen to the reaction after, like, by the fans when that goes in the net. Like, it is truly, I I just feel so lucky, so blessed, use any adjective you want, to A, have seen it with my own two eyes and been in the building, and thankfully I think I did okay (laughs) calling it. So, yeah, it's a a great memory, and and thank you, Brandon, for saying that because you – you gave me goosebumps when you described it that way. Well, really. I'll tell you, I know that I, I'm guilty every time I throw on the headset and it's, I'm not live yet, but I'm just talking to my producer and I can kind of set in the levels in my own ears so I can hear myself. I'm always playing around and joking around with different calls I've heard. And I have repeated that one and tried to imitate you a thousand times and I can't do it justice. And the best part is we had Ray on uh, probably 10 or 15 episodes ago and we asked him about that. And he said to us, you know, not quite verbatim, but he said he's still mad about that play. <laughs> and he's still mad at Patrick Seffen. He basically just said, just shoot the puck. 
It's it's been ten years, but I'm still mad about that play and yeah. the fact that he didn't put that puck in the empty net. So that's Grumpy Ray still holding a grudge about something that <laughs> didn't affect him in any way, shape, or form. He was he was not the world's greatest fan of Patrick Stafford. <laughs> yeah, he and let us my, know about that. <laughs> and then my my favorite call of yours, of course, is the uh, after two decades in the league's fiftieth season, your Weekings uh, are the champions. You've well, nailed it, Pete. Was, There's been so many. You, you absolutely nailed it. And, I mean, well, probably my age and be, growing up in Manitoba, so I got Sportsnet West, and, you know, your voice was always just on the TV. So there's so many hockey moments for me that, that are tied to your voice and then doing all the junior games and being a Wee King fan. So uh, that clip, I swear I've watched it 150 times tonight. You absolutely well, it was, nailed uh, it. <laughs> like I said, you guys off the top, it was uh, – for so many reasons, it was just such a special time for me. Um, yeah, one one, and I've had some pretty neat things happen in my career, but having the chance to call the Western Hockey League Championship Series, you know, I, I was lucky enough, and it's some of my most treasured times is the eight Memorial Cups that I did. I can't tell you what they mean to me, but to have a chance to do that coming off being – for a while wondering, you know, when my wife was sitting for about four days on when, when somebody's liver levels look like this, most of the time it's liver or pancreatic cancer. So I just, I got lucky, um, you know, to do it with Bill Wilms and, and that incredible group at Shaw. Can't say enough. I had so much fun. I guys, I was so, I was so brokenhearted when that, Shaw scenario came to an end because coming out of my situation with Sportsnet, which uh, I have no trouble telling you this, when I was fired in 2011, um, it took me a long time to kind of put my professional world back in order. I was lucky I bounced back pretty quick thanks to the people at Shaw, the, the, the help of Ron Robinson, who's always been a big supporter um, and loved junior hockey so much, but yeah, that that series was. Yeah, it means the world to me. It really, it really does. I got to ask uh, your son, and this is a great piece. And if anybody follows follows you on Twitter, they've they've seen it. It, it kind of went viral unintentionally the first time you posted it uh, uh, of of your son. Now, I'm not sure how old he is now, but doing. NASCAR play-by-play from what appeared to be the couch in the man cave. I mean, NASCAR is yeah. not a thing to do. Tell us about that whole story and how that, why that's so special uh, to you to see him pull that off and have it go viral like it did. Well, I'll be as, thanks for asking. Um, I'll be as frank as I can. Um, so my son's on the spectrum, you know, he's autistic, um, high functioning and I'll tell you how I used to describe NASCAR before my son got into it. I used to say, put a penny in your toilet and flush. There's NASCAR. So I am not a car guy. I'm not a racing guy in any way, shape, or form. But for whatever reason, and he didn't get it from me, um, you know, he got this bug a few years ago. And and he, we did an Instagram live because we're doing that after every – Team Canada game, Big Lou and Little Lou. I'm just having fun, and he seems to love the daylights out of it. Not sure where he got that bug from. Um, Anyway, so since he was really little, guys, he just – he calls everything. He called – like, he loves airplanes. So when we're together, you know, because his mom and I are not together anymore – you know, he'll sit in front of the window for hours and call every plane coming in and going out. So he got this NASCAR bug, and I was doing a game that day in Vegas, and his mom sends me this video. So we're in between the second and the third period in Vegas, and the way Calgary has played in Vegas, I could use a little uh, <laughs> a little something else. So I'm like, and again, I'm biased. I mean, he's my kid, but I'm like, I'm like holy cow, like, I couldn't have scripted this four minutes. You know, he's, he's like, I couldn't teach him to throw in Joe Gibbs racing here and how he hit the high note here and all the information. And he, 
He knows every car and every race team, whether it's Xfinity, Arca Series, Truck Series. He just he absolutely loves it, loves it. So uh, it's it's a pretty neat thing because we don't have necessarily a lot of like I kind of wish sometimes he would have got the true hockey bug or the baseball bug, basketball bug. He got the racing bug. But I'm just guys. I say this a lot. Um, I, I just I love him to pieces. I miss him. I haven't seen him since late August with the pandemic and being in different places. But that little guy has taught me more about life than I'll ever be able to teach him. He's a he's a special little guy. He really is. That's an amazing story. Uh, Pete, before we let you go, we always like to do a couple of like rapid fire type questions. Uh, not that you have to answer super quick, but just more of just kind of us spitballing, kind of no real theme connecting. One that we always kind of like to say is, uh, you know, obviously you travel around the Western League. Are there any favorite special spots that you particularly love to call a game from for any particular reason? Oh, lots. Lots. I'd, I'd say, Chris, there aren't many that I wouldn't. Obviously, the Brand Center in Regina just has real, you know, I mean, it's it's such a special place. Uh, talked about, I, I still call it the Keystone Center. I don't want to offend anybody. I know it's Westman. Well, it but still is. It's kinda, well, no, it, no, it, it still is the Keystone it, it, Center. It just depends on what the it, naming it, rights it's is. in the Westman yeah. Arena. Um, you know, I, I've had, there's so many places in the Western League. Um, you know, the Medicine Hat Arena was a real special place before, you know, it gave way to the new building. And, you know, another one for me would be the Portland Memorial Coliseum. It's it's where I watched my first ever Memorial Cup in 1986. Um, you know, I was lucky enough to be involved in all those great championship series, those three years, four years between Edmonton and Portland, which produced just incredible hockey. Uh, so I have a real soft spot for Portland too. What's been your uh, kind of COVID pandemic Netflix or Crave or Amazon TV binge? What have you What have you watched that maybe you're a little ashamed to admit you've watched as many hours of it as you have? Okay, um, m- my stepdaughter who who's 16 and wants to be an actress. Um, she has got me watching shows that I would have never imagined because I'm not. My TV watching is pretty sports oriented. I'm not going to lie, um, but two in particular have been a hit for me. For me, Schitt's Creek, magnificent, highly recommended to anybody. And believe it or not, here's my guilty pleasure. But it's funny as all get out. New girl. New. Girl. That's the first on the podcast. That's the first. I, I guarantee it, and I'll probably take tremendous heat, and I don't even care. <laughs> Pete, you're an NHL GM. The entire league is up for a fantasy draft tomorrow. Who are you taking first overall to start your franchise? Ooh, great question. Because you said fantasy draft, it's pretty hard not to go with the guy in Edmonton, Connor McDavid. I was going to say him or Leon. I was going to say, you can't just say the guy in Edmonton really anymore. There's some no, debates. No, no, that's, that's a great point. Yeah, the Deutschland dangler, the reigning MVP. I just yeah. say because he almost single-handedly defeated the Wheat Kings in 2015 as a Kelowna Rocket. Uh, he, you know, when you talk about next-level junior players, Leon Dreisaitl was there. Yeah, no question. Absolutely. I mean, you know, they are too incredibly talented people. And the next step for them is, you know, that could not have sat well what happened against the Chicago Blackhawks. So fantasy, I'm taking those guys first. If you're talking about who I'm going to start my team with, that's for the next podcast. (laughs) So you got the Battle of Alberta about 400 times this year because of... uh, (laughs) <laughs> it's going to seem like a lot more. I'm sure it will. But you've got this all-Canadian division, and you know, you've know you got all the Canadian teams packed into one. Now that you've had a little bit of time to digest it and look ahead to the schedule, is this something that you think maybe they should look at for future seasons? Does the answer yes become simple enough? <laughs> I, I do. I, I, like Honestly, it, it's one of the most fascinating things – that I can't wait to see play out. And, and I love I love asking people of your generation as opposed to mine. Um, 
I miss big rivalry games. Um, I'll take eight or ten. Might it be too much at a certain point? Okay. But if you're a bit of an older guy like me, I will trade Tuesdays against New Jersey or other – and I'm not picking – listen, there's – I love watching – I love the game. I, 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 I have as much fun watching peewee games as I do NHL games. So I'm not being disrespectful, but I love rivalry. And, and I think, A, there's going to be great rivalry. B, I think consumers will love it. C, the Canadian division has teams, including Ottawa, that I think is going to get better and better. I think the timing is great. I am so fascinated to see how the television numbers are, the interest. Will it be too much? Will they hard, be hard-pressed not to do it again? If it was me, I'd look at it permanently in some form. I'd add Seattle to you know, kind of the Western part of the Canadian group. So you have that natural rivalry with Vancouver. And then I, those would be my eight teams. I'm really so looking if, forward if, just to seeing some, some NHL hockey again, however they're going to do it. But yeah, I'm with you. This all Canadian division, when it was first even proposed, like, I remember when they were talking about the, the whole realignment last time. It was kind of a fantasy they were going to try and do the, the Canadian division. Had a lot of uh, interest. Uh, I'd be totally on board for it. I think that that's going to grow a lot of rivalries completely overnight. So if, if that Edmonton-Calgary series turns into two or three bench-clearing brawls, like who do you square up with better? Like Drew Remenda, Kevin Quinn, or Gene Principe? Who, who's, uh, who are you grabbing when it boils over? I'm just, I'm just going to hug Gene. Because <laughs> he's, he's, he's the nicest guy in the whole business. Um, I'll be able to convince him not to punch me. Uh, or Kevin Quinn, because they're, they're two of the most lovely guys. And Drew is from my hometown of Saskatoon. I've known him forever. As a matter of fact, his father, Bill, used to, ref, used to umpire my baseball games growing up. Huh. So long connection. Um, he's the brother-in-law of one of my buddies who I grew up with. I'm in pretty good shape now. If you ask me to go head-to-head against Bob Stoffer, <laughs> that might be a collision for the ages. Yeah, he's got big paws on him. incredible respect for Bob. Him and I are kind of pretty strong personalities. That'd be some show. And he, he'd, kick my da- he'd kick my daylights all over the lot, so I want no part of Bob. He's way tougher than I am. Well, if that rivalry boils over into the press box, then I can only imagine what it looks like on the ice. Uh, Pete, uh, thank you so much for doing this. this oh, guys, it was awesome. I love it. Um, best of luck when the season gets going. Safe travels back to Alberta. And uh, can't wait to, to hear you back on the radio and uh, be a part of, uh, of the NHL broadcasts uh, again once ever this hopefully gets going uh, in a couple of weeks' time. So uh, enjoy the rest guys, of your holiday. So, and much, so much fun. I just have one favor. Please wish all the best to that good old number 15, Mr. Ritchie, for me, please. One of, one of, one of the good, good, human, good humans of many in the game. And uh, to everybody in Brandon, I wish you all the best. Like I've said several times in the show, that city has had some special memories and, and holds a real neat place in my heart. So, guys, all the best. Happy holiday season. And, uh I'm happy to come back anytime you're uh, willing to deal with some of these old stories. Oh, that's great. Thanks a lot, Pete. Perfect. Take care. Take care. Awesome. Okay. Thanks, guys. That was great. Thank you, you so much. Enjoy the rest holidays of the there. Happy New Year. There's Pete Labardius on episode 35 of the Weekly Harvest Podcast, brought to you by Coors Light, the official beer provider of the Brandon Wheat Kings. Please drink responsibly. Uh, Kate Kroos, now the interview is over. When he said it live, when he was talking about the goal scored in the semifinals of the Mem Cup, uh, I know he, he must have got a little excited when he was thinking about it. Uh, he said Shane Weeb. Of course, we know the answer, though, was Jay Fair. Uh, but besides yeah. that, it was uh, besides that in the Keystone Center, Pete was pretty much dead on with everything else. Yeah, and he, you know, it's funny how he can remember the exact record of the 1979 Brandon Weekings and and whatever the win loss tie record was, but that the name Shane Weeb J Fair mixed him up. But hey, that bedlam that ensued. I mean, I still go back. 
I was in the building for that game. Uh, I was in the building for a majority of those games, uh, a couple of them on the game staff with then Drew Clayton, who had your position. And I, I've never been in, a, in an arena uh, other than maybe, you know, being in Winnipeg at, at, at Bell MTS Place for, for an early Jets game when they first came back. I've never been in a rink that's gone that bananas uh, than when Jay Fair scored that overtime winner. So I don't blame him because the pandemonium that ensued after that, uh, I don't think anybody cares whether it was Shane Weeb, Jay Fair, or you know Colby Roback. At the end of the day, the puck went in and it was one of the greatest goals in Wheat King home ice history. So we'll let it slide, Pete. We'll let it slide. Definitely will. Uh, well, Crow, uh, any news or notes before we wrap up this week here? Well, obviously, we'll just look ahead. Uh, you're, you're listening to this uh, on Tuesday, uh, Monday or Tuesday, uh, or whatever day you're listening to it. But uh, obviously, Canada's uh, perfect 2-0 and at the World Juniors at the time we record this. Uh, they've got Switzerland coming up on Tuesday. Uh, and then Canada will look ahead to Finland on Thursday, December 31st. So New Year's Eve, they've got Finland. And then they'll reseed everybody and get it all sorted out for the playoff rounds. And that's when it gets interesting at the World Juniors. Uh, it's believed Braden Schneider is back he practiced with his regular d partner uh today after serving his suspension so hopefully he doesn't miss a beat and jumps right back into it but uh, i think Braden schneider suspension i think he's gone through that a time or two so he should be able to uh just jump right back into it and other than that i don't think there's a lot going on the nhl is kind of uh, announcing their um training camp rosters and and their taxi squads is what they're calling so i've kind of been keeping an eye on it to see if any uh brandon weeking guys are going to make it onto that list i know that jace howard like obviously signing in vancouver be interesting to see what happens there with michael furland as well we know he got hurt uh in the bubble at edmonton coming back from that uh, long concussion issue that he was dealing with so it'll be interesting to see what happens there i know Stelio Mateos is down in Carolina right now. Um, I don't know if he'll be on the Hurricanes taxi squad or not, uh, especially after his battle with cancer. But he's down there working out with the Hurricanes uh, players and staff and that sort of thing. So we'll keep an eye on it. We'll see which week Kings make it onto the taxi squads and the official rosters and uh, looking forward to getting the NHL going as well. So we're going to try and uh, keep the hockey uh, new good news coming with some more good interviews in the next couple of weeks and uh, keep the weekly harvest rolling along. We will. And have yourself a great new year to all the listeners. Uh, again, if you want to stay connected, you want to reach out any any suggestions. Uh, I know the people have been reaching out and giving us ideas of who they'd like for us to interview. Uh, we love hearing that or anything else. Send them to, uh, to qweeklyharvest at gmail.com. The letter Q, weeklyharvest at gmail.com. Uh, Crow, have a great New Year's Eve, and uh, we'll talk to you again in 2021. Be sure to follow Q Country and the Wheat Kings on Twitter and Facebook for all your Brandon Wheat Kings news. Thanks for listening to the Weekly Harvest.